Welcome to The Caleb Show. This is a show about the Bible, about renewing, and about the mind, where every week we discuss how the Word of God is sufficient for day-to-day living, no matter what is happening in your life. You will be challenged to make the Bible an essential part of your thinking and living. Join us now as we investigate the world with the ancient truth of God's Word. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the show, which I'm actually thinking of renaming the Constructionist Podcast. There is a a belief or a ideological system called deconstructionism, but I want to, I'm playing around with the idea of renaming this podcast the Constructionist Podcast, because in reality, we are building something. We're being constructive. So our show opens up by saying that the Bible is sufficient, and it is sufficient. It's a sufficient. It's a book that's sufficient for us to place our trust in and our faith in, and it gives us what we need in order to understand life around us and who God is and who we are. It is sufficient, but in doing that, it requires work and effort. Now, by training, I am an electrician. I have built many buildings, and it requires a lot of planning a lot of sweat, a lot of organizing, a lot of words, a lot of detail, a lot of hashing out problems, and then eventually the building is built, and you're done, and you are satisfied with it, and the building is sufficient to do what it was designed to do. There should be anyway, if the designer and the architect and the and the contractor did a good job. But we want to talk about, uh, well, the, the podcast on the whole is about this idea of building something. We're building people to reflect God in the image that he made us to reflect him in. And so today we want to talk about a God or the God, a God or the God. Are we understanding God as a God or are we understanding God as the God? And it's a, there's a big difference because right now we currently are living in a postmodern era or a postmodern age. I don't know if you follow the history of ages, but most people, I think, have heard about the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was a time where people were rediscovering or beginning to discover um, the the ideas of science that we know today. People like Isaac Newton were around back in the day that uh, this Enlightenment idea was coming. People were starting to awaken to the world around them and how it worked. Michael Faraday was around back then. Uh, Thomas Edison came a bit later. But but this this view of, wow, there's a big world around us. How does it work? How do we fit in within it? Coming out of the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages and entering into a new understanding of mathematics and of biology and of science and of the, and the stars and how the earth fits within the universe. This, this sort of time period uh, is called the Enlightenment. But uh, also within that time period, very, very close to it, is the Reformation. And so in the Reformation of the church, when Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the door of the church in Wittenberg and basically made a statement that there needs to be discussion on the church, the, the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church's views on these particular doctrines, and that kicked off what we now have now called the Reformation. So Martin Luther and then a bit later John Calvin and Zwingli and others were involved in that kind of thing. And that sort of paralleled the idea of the Enlightenment. It was sort of a breaking out of long-held understandings and beliefs and traditions of the world around them 
both in a religious sense with the Reformation and all that, but also in a scientific and philosophical sense with the other, the other, um, the other path of what we now call the Enlightenment. But so we go from the Enlightenment. Sorry for that long-winded explanation. We go from the Enlightenment and we move on to what is called the Industrial Age, or the Industrial Age is also tagged with the idea of modernism. So modernism, a, a date that people have used to date modernism is from 1789 to 1989. So basically from uh, the beginning of the French Revolution to the fall of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> you could put it in those two, those two time frame, that time frame. Okay. So modernism is all about, as I mentioned before, the Industrial Revolution. It's all about putting science to work. And so, you know, we are we are autonomous beings. We are free to we understand how things work and operate now. This is the rise of the cotton gin and the car and the telephone and these kind of things that made communication faster and made the earth smaller and yet it automated things as well. We have the assembly line came in. People were now being seen as 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 a um, parts of a machine that can be used to create bigger and better machines and that kind of thing. So, you know, just think about the last 150 years or so up until about 1989 when we hit probably what we could call the digital age from that moment onward, 1989, uh, or, or I'll call it postmodernism is after modernism. So in postmodernism, so in modernism, the question was, is what is truth? That was the question being asked. How, what is that which is true? So we can build our life upon this true thing. It was very much a sort of sense of this is solid. This is something that we can, we can create an empire on. You know, the, the, that I'm thinking of like, um, uh, the car industry or, or General Electric. They've discovered these laws, these ways of building something up, and then from that they would add and add and add and create this giant corporation or or, or empire, you could say. So uh, the car industry, I think, is sort of like that uh, with the assembly line process and all that. Or, or I think of General Electric, which was founded by um, Thomas Edison, and the light bulb and the various electronic gadgets that he began making uh, Tesla was obviously wrapped up in all that, only he did it with Westinghouse and, uh, in a different way, but uh, AC power, DC power. But you read about the history of these people, and they created amazing inventions. You know, Tesla invented the radio, he invented the fluorescent light bulb, he invented the AC uh, motor. These kind of things are quite revolutionary ideas that that and inventions that we still benefit from today. But they were based on very strict and consistent laws. That's how people understood it. And so if you get it just right, if you have 120 volts of power going at 5 amps, uh, you'll get a certain amount of wattage which will then light up this light bulb and the light bulb will glow and so Edison had to tweak things to get it just right. So the wire gauges and the way the light bulb was constructed, and then you have to have the light switch, and then you had to have a way of metering all this stuff. And he invented this whole system that created what we now have as our modern electrical system. Tesla was part of that as well. Um, but the idea was, is what is truth? We're trying to get to the thing that we know and understand can be a law, that kind of understanding. That's modernism. 
postmodernism is a bit of a mess. So it's not, the question is not what is true, the question is which truth. You follow me? Which truth do we want to follow? Because that which is true in that field of knowledge and understanding um, isn't the same truth of this field of knowledge and understanding. Because now we live in an era where we have diversified all of our disciplines. And so people, it's really bad in the American educational system because everything is compartmentalized. And so you study science separate from English and you study English separate from history and you study history separate from the arts. And so you end up not actually connecting these together. My, my main memory of this growing up as a child was watching the Cosby show. Now, if you remember the Cosby show, it was the most popular TV show in the 1980s. And I remember one episode where Theo, the son, was having a conversation with his dad and his dad's friend, who was a university professor, and they were talking about Shakespeare. And Theo said, wait a minute, we studied Shakespeare in our English literature class. We, you can't have him also in history class. And he made this comment where he separated English lit from history and claimed that the two don't go together. But what the English professor friend of Bill Cosby failed to do was point out that, yes, they do go together. He didn't say anything about that. He just sort of let Theo have this understanding of history and English that they don't combine, but they do combine. All the disciplines interact together, and they, and they, they used to all interact together in what was called the queen of the sciences, which was theology. But theology was eradicated from the university systems in Europe and in Britain and obviously in America a long time ago, like 160 years ago. And so when that happened, you ended up with fractioning of all these different disciplines and each one in their own little bubble and hovel, making up their own mind about how their little world should operate to the exclusion of everything else. And it eventually worked its way out into what we now call postmodernism. It's not what is true. It's which truth do you want to follow? And so once you discover that, you realize that it gets pushed off into all other, other areas of life. And so now it's not uh, which God is the true God, it's, uh, it's all gods are the true gods. And so it's just a matter of which one you want to follow. And so when you have God, you've got to define who that God is. So Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments, and in it it says... God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, God presents himself as the creator of all things. This is the God of the Bible. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath the Lord your God of the Lord your God you shall be holy. For it's, and then in verse 11 it says, In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. So within the Ten Commandments we have the idea of God as creator from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God is the creator. He is the, 
the top God as the Bible explains it. Because he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't make an image, don't make a painting, don't carve anything, anything like that to represent any other God. You shall have no image of me. I am not a God you can you can put into an, an image uh, that you can look at and then bow down to and think that you're bowing down to me. You shall have no other gods. So what is a what is a god? A god is that which you bow down to, that which you serve, that which you fear, that which you honor and respect, and you are in effect a slave to it. So a god, let's just use a silly example. Let's say football. So in football, you dress yourself up in the colors of your team, you paint your face, you go out with all your buddies, you scream and yell because your team is doing good, doing bad, doing the other thing, you've paid money, you're up there waving your flags, you're doing all these things for your god football. When you get home, you have your man cave with all your football stuff inside, and it's decorated in all the colors of your team, and your team is the only team, and if somebody says something against it, you get all offended, and you say, nobody can say that about my team, and of course you have your evil teams out there that you hate, the team in black and the team in blue, because your team is red, and all these things are all wrapped up inside of you, and if anyone even sniffs a statement against your team or for your team, you react emotionally in one way or another. So apply that to whatever you want to apply it to. Cars, motorcycles, money, your career, your business, your, uh, your, your whatever. You can apply these things to all sorts of things. It's that which you bow down to and serve. Are you throwing your money at that thing? Are you saying that you're willing to sacrifice time for that thing? Are you willing to sacrifice hours at work so that you can put your attention and energy toward that thing? Whatever it happens to be, that's what you are are making your God. Are you sacrificing your family to that thing? Are you saying, no, family, I don't have time for you right now. I have to be out doing this other thing. Now, bear in mind, okay, I go to work like everybody else. There's a balance. I get up in the morning and leave before I see half, most of my family wake up in the morning. I come home at the end of the day. Granted, you do that uh, because it's necessary, but are you are you a workaholic? Are you shutting people out of your life for that thing? Are you only associating with people who love that thing? Whatever it happens to be. That is other gods in our context. Now, if you go to some other place like India or or Africa or something like that, it shows itself out in other ways. We were just watching a show last night where some people were in Bali. And in Bali, in Indonesia, they have all these temples all over the place. And people are putting their heads under running water to cleanse themselves. And they're putting little offerings out for various gods and things like that. So I just recently watched a documentary called The American Gospel uh, about, and it was, the subtitle was about Christ, The American Gospel Christ, so it was part two. And there was a guy in there in this documentary that said, if you can imagine a better God, he's talking about the Bible, if you can imagine a better God than what the Bible presents, wouldn't you rather have that God? That's basically what he says. He actually uses the phrase, can you, if you can imagine a better, better God, referring to something better than the God of the Bible, wouldn't you rather go that way? Well, instantly, he's basically telling you to get involved in idolatry. This is exactly what God says in Exodus chapter 20. He says, you shall not make for yourself an, uh, an image or any likeness in heaven or above that's, that's different, that is not me. Now, you can't make an image of the true God, but you can make an image of, of millions of false gods. 
And so the image begins in a person's head. They have to think it out. And so the core of, an, of idolatry is a bad idea of who God is or what God is like or how we should follow that God or how we should worship that God. And here on this documentary, this man is saying that if you can imagine a better God than what the Bible presents as God, then wouldn't you rather have that God? Well, I can imagine all sorts of gods that may be better than the one in the Bible that will feed my flesh and make me feel good about myself. But it's only it's only the God of the Bible that actually gives us the that the solves all of life's questions and, and struggles. So humans have a concept of God worldwide. Ignore the atheists. I don't care what the atheists say. Atheists are attacking the God of the Bible. I would like to see an atheist go out and stand in front of a mosque with a sign that says there is no Allah and see how long he lasts, especially in some place like Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or some place like that. Have, let, a, let an atheist stand there and do that in a place that is violently pro-Allah in Islam and see how long he will last. He will not last long. So they attack the God of the Bible because they know that Christians won't respond to them. But humans have a concept of God. It's It's a fact. And in this concept of God, there's a couple of definitions I looked up online. A definition of God is that he is the supreme or ultimate reality. Another definition of God that I found online is a deity presiding over some portion of worldly affairs. Or another definition is a being that is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. That certainly describes the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the supreme reality. He does preside over all of worldly affairs, and he is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. And he is a necessary being. He simply must exist. Okay, So if God is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing, he knows how to communicate with man because he understands us. He understands our mind, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we act. God understands who humans are, and he should be able to know how to communicate with men. If God is omnipotent, which or if he is all-powerful, he is able to communicate. He is able to communicate with man and to maintain the integrity of that communication. So if God is able to do whatever, he's all-powerful then he is able to communicate. He's able to get a message to us and to maintain the integrity of that message, right? And if God is all present, if he's all, if he's omnipresent, so he has always been throughout all of time, then he is able to give us content in his communication that is relevant for all humans of all time, and can verify the communication by accurately recording the past and correctly predicting the future. Do you follow me? If God knows, if God is always present at all time, that he can give us content in the communication that's relevant for all humans of all time. And in that content, <clears throat> he can both accurately describe the past or record the past, and he can also correctly predict the future. So if all of these things are true of God, because that is what God is like, then surely the Bible fits this description of God. The Bible is a book that accurately records the past. It correctly predicts the future. At least it's been shown to have correctly predicted the future. You could get, you read the Daniel Project by Jacob Prash. The Daniel Factor, I think it's called. The Daniel Factor by Jacob Prash, where he talks about prophecies that have been fulfilled 
um, in the scripture in the last 50, 60 years, something like that, 70 years. Uh, and then go to Answers in Genesis and see how the Bible predictly, uh, correctly predict, uh, records the past or pick up uh, a Bible archaeology magazine like, um, well, Biblical Archaeology is a good one. Uh, they, they demonstrate how the Bible has correctly recorded the events of the past. And when you do these things, you discover that the Bible is sufficient. It is a book that gives us a correct understanding of who we are as humans, both righteous and unrighteous. It gives us an understanding of the past and the future and the present. And it also gives us a correct understanding of who God is. And I have no way of having the time to go through all the different bits and pieces. But the question I want to present to you is, is are you following a God? Are you like the guy in that video that said, if you can imagine a better God than the Bible, then run with that God. Well, that's idolatry. You, you can't do that because if you can imagine a better God than what's in the Bible, he's not actually a better God. He's a God of your own imagination, which is a worthless, useless God and a God that can do nothing for you and a God of your wicked and adult, idolatrous heart. You can't have a God different than the God in the Bible. There, it does not, that God is not a true God. It is a false God. So a God is a false God. The God is the true God of the scriptures, and that God is the God that we want to follow. So read the Bible, get it written on your heart, and discover the power and the truth and the reality of who God actually is. So God bless you. Thank you for listening. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you next time. Please share this if you found it an encouragement and also uh, write a review if you have some time, wherever it is that you happen to listen to this, it would be great. If you want to email me, you can do at CalebTheElectrician at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. God bless you. Have a great day.